This episode is brought to you by HP+. In a world full of smart devices, isn't it about time your printer got smart too? Now printing is smart with HP+. And the HP Smart app is how it all happens. You can print from your phone with just a tap, no matter where you are. Even from your garage slash home office slash yoga studio. Huh, that is smart. HP+. Learn more about smart printing at hp.com slash smart. Leadership is a responsibility, not a position. Welcome to Leading from the Front with Dr. Gary McGrath, where experienced leaders share their own brand of leadership to help you develop and improve your own leadership capabilities. And now, here's your host, Dr. Gary. This is Dr. Gary making good bosses into great leaders with compassionate accountability. Coming to you again on our Leading from the Front podcast. And today, our special guest works for, and I was I just learned a new term about a nonprofit that I will share with you. It's it's a social organization or socially responsible organization. And I think we can say that about uh, CAI, that uh, you help North Carolina businesses in a lot of ways with, with their people solutions and people problems with prepaid legal services and, and data and public policy advocacy, training, consulting. And I'm sure there's a lot of other things that uh, we can talk about as you talk about uh, CIA, CAI, which I'll make that mistake multiple times today. <laughs> That's okay. It's easy it, to make. It, it, it just is. And uh, the 1,300 member companies that you yeah. work with in the state, which is which is quite a few, uh, it's uh, pretty amazing. We'll talk some about that. And Great. Uh, I'd like to introduce Nicole, who is the Vice President of Finance and Human Resources, I think, for CAI. Officially, it's finance and growth, but it's close finance, enough. It's a mixed bag and, and lots of hats. So. It, that'll work. Well, we're going to talk about that because when we talk about finance and growth and your roles, not just in finance, but also in human resource management and yeah. IT, administrative services, marketing, and even sales. Even of, sales. A CPA is, running sales. Just I love doesn't, it. Doesn't make sense, does it, Gary? Well, we'll try to make sense of it today, okay? All right. All right. Sounds good. So, Nicole, to kind of start off, I'd like to have you talk a little bit about your history and how you got to where you are today with a, a CPA getting into sales and marketing. Great. Yeah. So a uh, traditional path in the beginning, um, graduated with an accounting degree, got my CPA license, started off in public accounting. Um, and very quickly, as I was working and auditing for clients, just to realize that I love the business and the people more so than I loved cranking the numbers for them. And so went to work for a client. And really from there, um, just over my career, have found myself working in roles with traditionally smaller companies where I had the ability to bring my financial expertise and my technical skill set to the table, but really become a part of a bigger conversation, drive a bigger conversation eventually, take it to a higher level conversation. And that was, you know, just a combination again of building some credibility based on my technical skill set, but taking my passion and interest for the business and the people in that business and really carrying it beyond those technical skills. And I think that's really served me well and, and gotten me to where I am today. 
Well, I, I think I can relate to that, having a degree in mechanical and metallurgical engineering. <laughs> and there you go. The whole yeah. time I was in manufacturing, I was told, you should be in sales. <laughs> and of course, I said, no, 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 I'm an engineer. I should never do that. And then I started my first business and I realized the only way I was ever going to survive was by selling something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So now one of the things that you said, uh, building credibility. Yes. Uh, how do we build credibility as a leader and moving from the credibility of the technical side, the technical skills to leadership and management skills? How, how did how did you go about doing that? Great question. I would say the first thing that came to mind as you asked that question, I think the first step to building credibility is being a good listener. You have to be a part of the conversation and really understand who you're talking to, what matters to them, what they're trying to accomplish. Come into a conversation with an appropriate level of context and uh, based on your understanding um, of, again, what I described, you know, where they're coming from, what they're trying to accomplish, have a voice, have an opinion, add insight, bring your technical knowledge if that's what you, you know, where your foundation is, but allow the conversation, allow your thinking and contributions to go beyond that. I think thinking about things through their lens or, or through their eyes, through their seat, definitely helps with that. And that kind of ties into the listening. Well, yeah. So you've come like 360 here, right? Where you, you talk about uh, really helping them understand where they're at, you listening to, to understand where they're at and trying to figure out what their goals are and their what what they want to accomplish, right? Right. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> and and I think that you, you said help them have a, for you to have a voice, but also by listening, you help the other person have a voice. And in leadership, that's about creating safe space. Yes, absolutely. And I think also connecting the dots, right? Everybody's coming in with their own perspective, their own piece of the puzzle, their own level of information or knowledge or input. And uh, again, pausing to listen for that so that they're adding value, having a voice to add yours, um, and you're going to end up with a better story if the two of you, you know, do a good job of listening and sharing with one another. And so making sure that you are doing that and also helping the other person or the group do that as well, um, I think builds credibility in you as a person as well as what you have to add. Well, one of the things that I listen for, Nicole, is vocabulary. And the whole time that you've been talking here, you keep talking about them and they and him or her and uh, very little I, very little yeah. about me. And yeah. the focus is them, 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 the team, the group, the individual. And yeah, that is listening, but it's kind of a it's kind of a mindset. Wouldn't you agree? I would. Absolutely. And, you know, I don't know how you want to label that. What comes to mind for me and certainly something I relate to and that's inherent in our culture and organization here at CAI is having a service mentality, being a servant leader would definitely be one of the ways that I would describe myself. Um, it very much is about helping others succeed, um, helping the organization achieve its goals, and supporting others through that process, helping them feel connected, helping them understand the greater why, uh, and then feel a part of that, I think makes a huge difference. And so it very rarely is about I. I definitely agree. 
So let's go back in history for a second and see if if there was a moment in time or a process that 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 took you from this this focus on accounting, on numbers, on spreadsheets, on uh, paper that uh, you have to have you know analytical skills and uh, analysis and yeah. the ability to be able to read uh, uh, P and Ls and balance sheets and cost reports and you go from that to where what you said earlier was a love for the business and love for the people was there a uh, a moment of epiphany around that that it kind of struck you that you wanted to move in that was it a transitional thing over time that you just by responsibility and natural talent you got into how did that transition happen Um, I would say that there probably was not one moment in time. I think I realized pretty quickly, you know, that I was not interested in taking the traditional path um, that, you know, CPAs typically took. That was not what excited me. But being a CPA by nature, not, not particularly risk tolerant, I probably stayed on a pretty traditional path. So I think what realistically happened, Gary, is that just the way I operated every day, every year, in every meeting, and every conversation, and every project, really showing an interest, a desire to understand the bigger picture, to tie in, you know, maybe what the financial story was, to understand what was going on in their business, to be a part of and drive a conversation around you know, why they were having an exceptional year or why were, you know, expenses (laughs) exceeding budget and taking the conversation beyond the facts, Um, not checking boxes, really being a thinker, not just a doer, asking questions, Uh, again, connecting the dots back to kind of the bigger goal or the bigger objectives, whether they're theirs or the organization's. I think makes a big difference and and definitely comes across in a more positive way to others in your organization. They're going to believe that you care um, about what they're trying to accomplish, see that you have a pulse on, you know, more than your technical skill set. And the conversations just naturally build from there and where you can take them. Yeah. So one of the things that you you've alluded to several times is this idea of connecting the dots and context. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> the the ability to be able to help people see the bigger picture and how they yeah. fit in with that purpose and that why. Um, and that, that to me is a, a real foundational uh, skill of leadership. You know, we just had a leadership team two day offsite this week, and that was one of the things that we talked about. Um, and, and we were talking about accountabilities. We were talking about moving the organization to the next level. And one of the things we came back to, and we, we really challenged ourselves as a leadership team and as individual leaders, what are we doing? What are we not doing? And in the hustle and bustle that all of us live through every day, it is so easy to talk about what you need to do and how it needs to be done and skip over for individuals the why. Why is this important? What are we trying to accomplish? Why will this make such an impact? If you start there and consistently remind people and bring them back around. You know, I think people want to contribute. They want to be a part of something bigger. 
And it's up to the leaders in the organization to help them see how they connect, how their contributions tie back to the why. Um, and I think good things happen when we we consistently do that. And often, if you look at where things went wrong, where things took longer than they were supposed to, or there were roadblocks, you know, I think when we skip over or forget the why, um, or our teams do, and they can't see it clearly, that's often, you know, a core issue that you could boil it back to. Oh, you're absolutely right. And, you know, there's been a lot written and talked about on the why. And I think that not just the why in terms of the organizational mission and and the vision and the how, which is the values that connect the what to what people are doing every day. And our job as leaders is to be able to, like you said, connect all those dots because most people are so heads down on the tactical individual task that they're working on today that they don't lift their head. And I think it's the job of the leader to lift their eyes and say, hello, look over here for a second. You're not just making a brick. You're actually building a cathedral. That's right. That's right. But what we forget, I think, naturally, um, is because we, the cathedral and the, the blueprints for the cathedral and, you know, <laughs> that's constantly in front of us as leaders. Mm. So we're there all the time, but we forget that that blueprint is not in front of your team members all of the time. And so it's very easy to forget to do this or to assume um, and that's okay, never so how do you how thing. do you not forget what what do you do to make sure that you don't forget that oh, I do forget it <laughs> I mean <laughs> well, thank you we right do, I mean you know yeah I know it I in, in fact I'm going into a meeting this afternoon and I, I ran into one of my um, teammates in the hall and I asked her if there was anything that she needed me to prepare or come ready to think about and as we were doing that, having that conversation, I said to her, I want you to remind me to spend a little bit of time connecting the dots and talking about why I'm pushing so hard on several of these initiatives that I need accomplished by September 30th. I feel like the group understands that, but I'm not sure I've done a good job of, of really stressing it. And I think it's critical that everyone really understands what we're trying to accomplish here and why it can be so impactful. But uh, I'm about three to four weeks into pushing some teams pretty darn hard and realizing, wait a minute, I, you know, I, other than just trying to do the right thing, certainly trying to meet expectations, I'm not sure if they're where I am in terms of understanding what we're really trying to pull off here and why. So I, I don't think there is other than, you know, sticky notes all over your computer and, and whatever you take into meetings that are reminding you, you just have to try to keep up top of mind and then go double back when you realize you've forgotten. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I can tell you that, uh, it, it is a tough thing to keep that at top of mind. And that's our job as a leader is to help others keep that top of mind. So, I will tell you that there's a couple of things just to share some thoughts and ideas that I've gotten from others is understanding why we're here and why we're here, not just with an organization, but as people, we have statements of gratitude that we start our meetings with. Nice. And that, that grounds, get, gets that grounding, that gets that foundation of, of, of thoughtfulness and humanity back into the meetings. Um, and uh, you create it, you create the why as part of the agenda. Mm-hmm. Um and uh and then with like 
with the leaders that that I I work with, I see you right on your calendar two or three times a week to do that old MBW way that we used to call it management by wandering around with the purpose of looking for opportunities to remind people of the values and the mission of the organization. Yes. And because I'm, I'm like you, I, as an engineer, I mean, I get heads down, I start working hard and sometimes I forget to focus on some of those really, really important things as a leader. I'm managing, I'm getting stuff done. So I have to have a system. And the system is one where I use technology today for reminders, for meetings. And those are the things that, that uh, allow me to hold myself accountable. Right. No, those are great. Those are great suggestions. So system thought. I want to go back to something. I'm going to challenge you on something since, right. we, since we enjoy this conversation. <laughs> and, and, and the reason I am is because I've heard this, you know, this has become a popular thing to be a servant leader. Mm-hmm. And I don't agree with that. And, and right. I'll tell you why. I believe, and you actually, you said both. You said a service leader. Our job is to provide service to others when they need it. And I was former military and we had the saying IGYB. My brother puts that in a text when, when we're working on something. He says, I've got your back. Yeah. When somebody needs to have their back covered, we're there for them. But when someone is failing because of their own choices, Sometimes we have to let them fail and learn. Yes. And servant, as a servant, sometimes people take it the wrong way, I believe. They think that they're supposed to catch them before they fail. But the greater service is sometimes just to let the person fail. And that's a hard decision to make. But words mean everything. You talked about context and connecting the dots, and it creates pictures in people's minds as does a servant standing right there, holding the tray, having the glass, the cup of coffee ready for the person. That is not the job of a leader. I absolutely agree. And then that's a great point. Um, and I will make a mental note to watch my words because I would agree with you. It's definitely service, not servant, as you've described it. And and I wanted to comment on your point about the failures. I think that Another really critical role or good indicator of a good leader is someone who is willing, even if not comfortable always, um, but who is willing to create a safe space for failure. Mm. Allow your team members the autonomy, allow them the, again, the space and the freedom, give them the trust, give them the guidelines that they need, give them the support, the direction, but to micromanage, to step in, to save the day, to constantly warn and redirect does not serve anyone in the organization, them or the leaders um, or yourself in the long run. And If I look back at some of my, you know, great accomplishments as, uh, you know, in my career, when I look at who was leading me, um, when I look at successes in my own leadership and my own teams, oftentimes there was, there was failure, um, whether on my part or someone else's. And you can look back and see that someone else saw it happening and they had a different opinion or would have would have taken a different step. 
But if you don't allow people to figure that out and then to recover and then to adjust and then to make it right, to then learn from that, get up, brush themselves off and handle it differently next time, you're not really allowing for the growth um, that your team needs to be experiencing to really continue to excel So I think that creating a safe space for failure, not micromanaging, not always sweeping in to fix things is critical for an organization and indicative of strong leadership when you see that happening. So why do you think so few leaders that you've got two pieces here, really safe space and failure? Why do you think so few leaders allow their people to fail? Trust, patience. Hmm. And probably a little bit of trying to think of the right word that's not too harsh, but fear. Well, th- there you go. <laughs> that that is probably the best word. But there's also an element of sometimes we think there's one answer and we think it's ours, and that's usually not the case. It's that's egotistical. Not, yes, thank you. There you go. It, it's egotistical fear. Right. They, they think that they've got the best answer, and you know, do it my way, and I know it'll work, and blah 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 blah, and and yep. they're not developing. They're just through their own ego there's there they are the reason everything succeeds so and to it's, speak it's control right it's scary yes. it is it is scary to have something out of your control and so if someone is doing something different than you would do and or you're seeing them start to fail and things are crumbling it is hard to not sweep in and take control i mean yeah. We experience that as parents, as friends, as coworkers, as leaders. That is, that is just tough for any human being. It it is, and and there's a in our leadership program. We have a nine month leadership development program. We show a clip from the movie Ray, and a lot of people have seen it. But uh, just to describe it, it the the mother or after Ray goes blind. The mother is in the house and and Ray is crying and screaming and say, mom, help me, mom, help me. And she just, just stands there not mm. not helping him. Mm-hmm. He finally calms down and he starts kind of looking around and you can actually see by some of the things that he does. He finds joy in being able to do something on his own. Right. And it, while this is happening, the, the first the tears of pain mm-hmm. are shown on the mother's face. And then the tears of joy. Right, right. And it, it's a very, very telling leadership uh, scene that that pain that we go through initially, oh, I could save this. Oh, I could help this person so that they don't have to go through the pain of failure. And it is actually one of the most detrimental things that we can do to always protect. That's right. It limits the outcome. It limits yeah. the outcome. It feels better in the short term. And that's... Um, a better way to describe what I meant when I said patience, because I think that's part of it, right? To experience that short-term discomfort, knowing that this will work itself out. I just need to let this let this ride a little bit longer is tough. And yeah. so as a leader, and I think you gain that confidence, you gain that willingness to take some risk, the more times you experience and, and realize, well, this is going to work out. That's hard to do early on, but it's important to start trying for sure and learning from others and knowing that that works. Yeah. So what the when I advise or coach, I, I say the only time you jump in is when it's critical. Yeah. 
That's right. Um, I have a roofing company so that we use it. If somebody's going to fall off the roof, you, you grab their lanyard. Don't let them fall off the roof. Uh, <laughs> but you do let them get close to the edge. Yeah. Yeah. Because they need to learn their limits. That's right. Uh, so it's that's a that's a really interesting topic. Uh, I like that safe space for failure. Yes, I think it's critical. I already uh, trademarked it. I was in the USPTO, <laughs> so I've got that copyrighted. Um, <laughs> so let, let's finish up. Let's finish up with that. As you looked at your your journey for yourself, mm-hmm. if you could have written your letter to yourself and, and sent it back in time, five, 10, 15 years ago, what, what might you have said? What advice would you have given yourself? Oh, um, first of all, go for it, right? If, if you enjoy people, if you enjoy the broader business, you know, leadership and management can be such a rewarding place to be um, in terms of a career. And so, if you're already on that path, keep sharpening your saw because you can't ever kind of reach that ultimate place as a leader where you, you shouldn't be continuing to strengthen and challenge yourself. Along the way, you know, we all thinking back to my technical background as a CPA and, and when folks meet me now, they're often surprised um, to know that that's my background. Yep. I think it's critical. We, we all need to start off with, or we benefit when we start off from a strong foundation and some type of technical expertise or some particular experience that you gain early on in your career. But where I think there's a crossroads and some people move on and some people either level off or they become just... Um, deeper and stronger in their technical area, but that's the path they choose. But the folks that tend to grow into strong managers and leaders, um, business owners, they have not only the technical skills, but those strong, soft skills. Emotional intelligence would probably be the one that I think serves everybody across the board, no matter what you do. You always every day are going to come in contact with different styles, different communication styles, different how people like to receive information. Some people want quick decisions. Some people need to process. Some people need a lot of data. Some people don't. The smarter you can be as an individual, whether you're in the beginning of your career or or growing in, into higher positions, your ability to influence, your ability to gain credibility and trust is going to be based on your emotional intelligence. Um, And so learning and paying attention to that and being just as diligent with your emotional intelligence as you are with other areas of how you define intelligence, I think really make a key difference in someone's success in leadership. Well, it's, it's interesting having a technical background myself in engineering uh, I'm in the same spot you are when I do public speaking. I ask people if they can tell me what my degree is, and I've only had one person in 10 years actually get it because <laughs> it's usually psychology or sociology or some other liberal arts thing right. because we've, we've evolved, right, uh, yep. from the technical to the, to the personal. And what you say about EI, I just want to reinforce that because it is only one of two scientifically correlated characteristics that is measurable in leadership. Mm. And that's emotional intelligence and cognitive judgment. And in fact, we've actually created a, a model 
of effective leadership that combines these two measurable characteristics into the ideal leader and how to develop those. But EI is, that's for any, whether you're in a leadership role or anything, it's it's key to it all. Key to Agreed. being a parent, key to being a spouse, key to being a friend. Absolutely. You know, it's, Absolutely. Key to life. Key to is, life. Social intelligence yeah, makes is. a huge difference. And, and with that, going back to the emotional side of it, emotion locks in memory. That's why yeah. failure is so important. So what's that quote? It's people remember you for not what you did, but how you made them feel. Correct. It's something right. along those lines. And I mean, that's, and, that's exactly what this is about. And what it, I think Mark Twain said something along the lines of uh, somebody, somebody famous once said, uh, experience is what we call our mistakes. Um, <laughs> yeah. You have a lot of experience and locked in by emotion <laughs> means you won't you won't forget them. So there you go. Well, Nicole, I, I really appreciate uh, your time and your thoughts. Uh, I've, I've got several things that I'm going to make sure I get immediately um, copyrighted, safe space for failure. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I really like that. And, and really reinforcing the things around emotional intelligence and us technical people that make the transition yeah. from a technical competency, which you never lose no, no. to people competency and really getting to know the people around you. And it's, it's complex, it's, it's hard, and it's fun. It is. It, it is. And this has been fun. I've enjoyed talking to you, Gary. Well, Nicole, thank you so much. And this is uh, Dr. Gary saying thank you to Nicole for her input, her insight, her leadership, uh, creativity. I just, I love the things that you said. And uh, we're going to sign off with what I always say. We are here to make good bosses into great leaders with compassionate accountability. Signing off one more time, leading from the front. Thank you. Thanks for being with us on Leading from the Front with Dr. Gary McGrath. Remember to subscribe to this podcast on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about the work Dr. Gary is doing, visit statarius.com. S-T-A-T-A-R-I-U-S dot com. Music for Leading from the Front is provided by Peter Katz. For more of his music, visit peterkatz.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.